This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. And we are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Weintraub on the other side and joining us as they do every single week to talk about the week that was Michigan Athletics. And there was a lot. I mean, as the as the coaching search, coaching carousel turns, uh, it's kind of driving the discussion here. Uh, here the last couple of weeks, and it will again today with the MGO Blog Roundtable. So, first of all, good morning, fellas, and let's start one by one with welcoming you. Starting with Brian Cook. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good. Everybody on the coaching staff is younger than me now. <laughs> so you did that, right? Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, and of course, what, Mister Seth Fisher? How are you? Morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Roses are red. And Craig Ross, who's like. How's the weather where you guys are? It's great where I am. That's how he started off the morning. Craig Ross, how are you? Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to troll you. Uh, the the weather here is nice, but, um, you know, Brian, you'll figure it out. At some point, the whole world is younger than you. Mm. And that's, uh, you know, it happens. <laughs> that just means you're seasoned there, seasoned. Craig. You're seasoned. Yeah. You're, you're, you're veteran. You're You're aged. You're not yeah, old. Craig sometime during the Bronze Age where he looked around, he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, fellas, um, you know, last week we were having this discussion. I wonder where you guys are with this. We were talking about Clink. And, Brian, I think it was you who said, well, can you, can you come up with a way for him to maybe be the understudy to Wink, right? And it was, it was a great idea. It was the kind of thinking that you would have had to have to massage what was clearly an issue that he felt like he was he was passed over. So how are you going to address that as Sharon Moore? Right. Um, you know, because he had told the players he was coming back. And I know he told at least a couple of them, you know, they wouldn't weigh my buyout. So you got so you could sense you could feel that it was still going to be a thing that wasn't just going to go away because he signed because you because he's going to remain. And then, you know, I talked to him Friday and it was clear, yeah, that that was an issue. And by Saturday, he went in and he told him, hey, I'm on I'm on a go. And he told me when, the one thing that I can share, because it was a conversation, it wasn't an interview. So I want to be careful. But the one thing that I know he would let me share is it's not about the money with me. He said that like 20 times. It's not about the money with me. And so I just feel like and I felt like this. And I told him this, you know, it's. It's, it is probably going to be better for both sides if if you go 
and Sharon goes in a different direction. That's ultimately what happened. Well, I mean, I've said this before in other contexts that uh, it, these buyouts, if you're only staying because of buyout, yeah. how much do you want that person? And that's why I've never really been too enthusiastic about buyouts. Number one. Number two is, you know, I feel like employees, uh, people uh, should be allowed to work where they want to work. And, and if they don't want to work here, if they feel there's a better opportunity, I have, I have no, you know, issue. You know, I was hoping we could say it was the uh, wink and clink show out of, uh, out of Brian's uh, sort of thought last week, but uh, not so much. On the other hand, you know, it looks like maybe we got some, some, uh, some good, good replacements in the fold. I'm kind of excited about the new coaching staff. Yeah, but it, we definitely need to do a postscript because I, I thought I hadn't really thought about how you how he was going to try to massage it, Brian. And I thought your idea was a good one. It wasn't that wasn't anything that I had heard from inside, but it was like kind of makes sense to <laughs> do it that way. Oh, sorry, Seth. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Seth, it was a it was a great idea, but it was it was never going to work. Right. It was never going to work. How well, I mean, it was going to work for a second. But then apparently not. So I don't know. Like, I mean, the only problem I have is that, like, he tells people he's coming back. He tells the team he's coming back, and then he's like, "Nope, 180." And I'm like, uh, "I don't. That's not great." You know? Yeah, that's not. I. But I can. What's done is done. I can appreciate what he gave us, and you know, it feels awful losing a coach because then you're like, "Oh, we're gonna lose all his recruiting and all those connections and all this and all that." And then they get the new guy, and you're like, "Oh, yay! We're gonna get this. And we're gonna get that." And They've done a pretty – I think Jerome's done a great job in filling his positions. It looks like um, there's some definitely some money being put towards the staff that uh, I don't even know we were expecting them to, like, outbid Tennessee for Brian G. Marie. Like, that's – like, having events happen like that makes me feel a little bit more confident about where they're going. I know they went with a couple of younger guys for defensive tackle uh, – for defensive line and for um, defensive back, and we'll get to those guys. But, like, you know, if – Clink's, if Clink didn't want to be here, if he was going to be miserable, that was going to be very different than what he was like when he was gunning for a def- uh, defensive coordinator job. So if he wasn't going to be the defensive coordinator and he was going to be miserable and he felt like he wasn't going to get there, you know, you were going to get a different coach than we were going to than, than we had before. So I don't think that you expect the level of coaching we were getting from him, the level of recruiting we were getting from him. You know, we've banked most of what he gave us. I don't think Will Johnson's going to leave. I don't think that, you know, the connections in Ohio are going to go away because Michigan's natural recruiting territory is Ohio. So I don't think that it's it's not like a devastating loss. It's a loss, but it's not like something that, oh, no, our program is not what our program was a couple weeks ago kind of loss. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't think that the, the – um... You know, that you had the the potential, uh, uh, not exodus, but the the potential impact in players uh, as they were pondering whether to stay at Michigan or go to the portal. That you know that was more of an issue with with Elston than it uh, than it was with with Clink. That's not to say that you know every guy isn't doesn't have other considerations for whether or not they go to the portal. But I don't. Clink wasn't wasn't one that was. Uh, a catalyst for for any of those guys. So, you know, you so how do you how do you pivot? Uh, you know, you you come up with a list of 
of of good candidates, I think. Uh, and Stephen Adagoke was the the first one that I mentioned uh, because he his was the name that I I heard first. Now he's for folks who aren't familiar. Steve was a GA in twenty for the twenty twenty one season as they were installed the the Mike McDonald install of the Raven system, and he came to Michigan from being a GA for Ryan English at Florida. And from before that, he was uh, a safety. Or he was a DB for Ryan English at Mississippi State. So I say all of that to say, you know, this dude knows, really knows ball. He's at San Francisco as a QC quality control guy for one year. And D'Amico Ryans takes him with him to Houston, Brian, to be the safety coach. Not the corners coach. He takes him with him to be the safeties coach. And to me, that's very telling. Well, I mean, the guy's 28. Like, he's basically Alex Drain's age, which is unfathomable. Alex Drain is um, years younger than nah, yeah, I know, Alex I know. Younger. I know, but it's not that different. <laughs> Alex Drain is the age you were when you started MGO Blog. Shut up, Seth. <laughs> that is violence against me that you are committing. Anyway, so that's a quick rise, right? And to go from a Michigan GA to an NFL position coach in the span of like three years, that's impressive. And you know that guy's going to be on his grind, right? Like one of the concerns with bringing in Wink is if he was going to bring in some NFL position coaches who just didn't want to recruit. And Sharon Moore was like, no, we're going in the exact opposite direction. We're... We're going with guys who watched the Usher halftime show at the Super Bowl and didn't recognize any of the songs. <laughs> Wait, that, that uh, what does that mean? I from the other direction. The from the oh. other direction, not your direction, Craig. They're too young. They're not too old. Okay. <laughs> they, they've never downloaded any of those songs on Napster, which I have all of them. <laughs> I... So it's, you know, a very young and a hungry staff. And then you have your sort of experienced uh, defensive coordinator who knows everything that you need to know and can teach guys. And then you have a bunch of guys who are going to go out and recruit. So I think it's about the best case scenario stipulating that you're losing the entire defensive staff. Yeah, I mean, this. I the nice thing about uh, Adagoke is – is the fact he's come so far in such a short period of time. And I mean, here's a guy who's 28, who's already held, you know, numerous jobs and they all have engendered greater responsibilities. He's gone along. And so a safety's coach in the NFL is a deal. Uh, and, and so this certainly feels, feels like uh, a great hire, particularly when connected to, to Martindale, who's not, you know, older. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, this Matt Zinnitz guy is plugged in the NFL circles. Like every NFL thing he's kind of been on. You know, he, he, uh, I had had the, the Wink Martindale thing after the Joe Cullen thing, and he knew about Wink Martindale. He knew about Sean McGee. And then he, he put the, the piece, he put the piece with, um, at a go out, Steve hadn't even told D'Amico. Like he hadn't told D'Amico Ryan yet. I was like, how, how does this do? How does this guy up on it like that? 
And so the word I got was that D'Amico was going to try to keep him. Now, I don't think that that, I'm not saying that to say that I think it's going to be derailed, but it's just more of an endorsement for this being a dude. If D'Amico, when he hears about it, he's like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I don't, want you, I don't want you to go. And this is a first-year safeties coach, right? So, you know, that that goes to show you that, you know, Sharon hasn't identified just, you know, these are all, like, up-and-coming guys. And the guy that he had to beat out, and I'm curious you guys' take on this, because I really started to think while things were leaning Steve's way, I was like, man, I could really see Lamar Morgan coming up and and taking this spot because that was the guy that Jesse recommended. That was the guy that Jesse was going to hire if Clink had left, if he were still here. And so I mean, you had that kind of recommendation, and he's coached under Jesse, and he's been a court, and he is a coordinator. So he's you know he hasn't just run a whole secondary; he's run a whole defense. It just really seemed like man, that guy could really, really rise up. And he, from everything I heard, you know, Sharon and Wink. Uh, did the interviews together. I heard that both guys uh, smashed it. So whoever you wound up between with between those two, even more of a reason to believe, guys, that you're going to be winding up with a, with a great candidate. Well, it's great to have people on the bench. I mean, it's it's great to have entered some, interviewed someone. I, I've been there on interviewing people, and it's great to be in a situation where you've got somebody else you can, you know, go back to. And, and say right now, hey, this was, you know, you, you're more than a viable hire for us. Because my guess is, uh, given the quality of people they seem to be bringing in, they're, they're going to be hiring people in the future again. Yeah, so. I, I mean, look, look, Morgan, remember, he coached under Minner, but it was at Vanderbilt, where Minner didn't get to do a whole lot of Raven stuff, because it was just, he, he inherited a mess there. And he was like, okay, here's, here's where your foot goes. It, it, it was. It wasn't like he was teaching high-level concepts that Michigan was going to run. Uh, I mean, Morgan would have been a good hire. I, you know, but he and he did a really good job at Louisville. Adagoke seems like a guy who's just completely on the rise. You know, when it reminds me of when they got Mo Linguist, a different spot on the trail, but a guy everywhere he shows up, people are like, okay, this guy, right? And Linguist eventually got. Overpromoted to head to, to head coach before you know he and took took the Buffalo job, which is not going to go anywhere. But now he's the defensive backs coach at Alabama. So I think that Anagoke is a rising star. You better lock him down so you have him for like three years because someone's going to come. At, this is not his last stop at defensive backs coach at Michigan. Oh yeah, I, I think whoever you, I think you're looking at this staff as. To the point that you brought up last week, Seth, you're trying to identify guys who are, you know, really good candidates to be the next one. Because, you know, I do I think Wink is here for for one year? I, no, I I think you could. I think it's probably a, a couple of years. But hey, it could it could be like he comes in and they smash it, right? He could be right back, you know, being a hot NFL commodity again and be out. Do you have the guy in house? That is red. That Sharon is ready to ready for to, to take over. I think if Jim had stayed, it would have been Clink and Elston. But the the dynamics are different with a first time head coach who is, you know, I'm gonna spend most of my time on offense. I need a guy over there that's kind of like I don't. There's not their first rodeo. Well, maybe the dynamic is a little bit different if you are uh, after you're in year two for for Sharon Moore and 
who knows? Does that would that open the door for an Adagoke? Or, you know, as we see things play out with, with Brian John Marie, you know, no official announcement yet, but that's a guy who's called the defense before, right? And so you would have some some natural candidates in house that could conceivably take over. And I think that I think they have to be very intentional about nurturing that. Yeah. What is the story on Jean Marie and uh, Scruggs? I mean, is Scruggs here? Is that are those certainties? I mean, uh, Scruggs, is, Scruggs is here. Scruggs, Scruggs is here. Um, with with BJ, I just think it's a matter of. Yeah, you know, I think there were some some things. I think you have to. I don't want to say too much. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I, I think there. My gut would tell me that you got some contract things to work out. And then he's the, he's the type of guy who would want to tell his players in person before it was out. I mean, he's just that type of dude. Like he wouldn't want to have any stories out there about what he was going to do before he had an opportunity to tell his dudes face to face what he was going to do. So that knowing him, that's how I interpret the the silence fair, right now. I don't interpret it. I don't interpret it as oh. You know they're swinging them. I just I, I think there's a reason for the silence right now. So um, get you okay. off the hook there on that one for a second. Like going back to the idea of like who's your def- next defensive coordinator because you do want to set up the guy after Wink because Wink's not going to be here long term. They do have quite a bench right now, and the bench includes guys who are in the NFL who you know might not work out or you know Minter might get offered a head coaching job. Like there's a lot of things that can happen in football in a couple of years, uh, but. You know, if you want to be intentional about it, you're going to have an offensive line coach, you're going to have a linebacker coach, you're going to have a DB's coach. Uh, it's really about, you know, you got to see those guys coaching first. This is not the kind of thing you can decide right now when you're hiring them. It's the kind of thing that you look at your guys when you have them and see how they're recruiting, seeing how the players are responding to them, seeing how, you know, and there should be a time when you know, Sharon Moore got an opportunity to be head coach a few games without Harbaugh, you know, when Harbaugh wasn't there. Like, what that that's the kind of thing that you need in order to just have someone be an heir apparent. You don't just be like, okay, that guy, when I hire him, he's going to be that guy, unless you're hiring someone specifically with that on the offer. I mean, I'm not going to think about what's happening a couple years down the road because there's so many moving parts that it's you know it's like trying to predict the weather two weeks out it's very difficult because anything could happen so what's important is that michigan's defensive staff looks to be mostly settled pending what happens with jean marie um and they avoided the pitfall of going too hard into the nfl they have a couple of guys who look like real up-and-comers. They have a couple of guys who've been successful in their previous stops, and that's about all you can ask for. Um, and one of Harbaugh's great strengths is that he kept hiring guys who get got hired away. Like, when's the last time an Ohio State head coach under uh, a Ohio State coach under Ryan Day left for a promotion? Uh, right, Halfley. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. he was there. He was there there for like a year it's not like he came up under ryan day so what michigan has been able to do is that they are a springboard for coaches and that will continue to attract talent if guys continue to get hired away because they're like well mike mcdonald 
was the defensive coordinator at Michigan. And a few years later, he's the head coach of the Seahawks or Jesse Minner is now a defensive coordinator in the NFL guys come to Michigan and they leave Michigan, but the overall state of the program remains good. Um, and, you know, we're probably going to have a step back next year because we won the national championship and a lot of guys are going to the draft and that's fine. But the foundation of the program has been finding guys a little bit off the beaten path, recruiting in that like area of like eight to 10 most years, which has not been a national championship winning team. And then making that up with development, both in SNC and in, off the, in, in on the field position coaching. And I feel like they're in a good position to continue doing that. Amen. I, I, as do I. Incidentally, Scruggs uh, at, uh, at when he was at Cincinnati seemed to develop a lot of defensive tackles and defensive linemen. And my guess is, you know, it's harder at Cincinnati than Michigan. So, so that's good. Uh, what do you guys think of Kasula? I actually believe I had a beer with him. Uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, so Steve, uh-huh. you know, I, I've been so wrapped up with um, mm-hmm. with all of the, the uh, you know, movement that is yet to be determined uh, that I hadn't spent, uh, haven't spent the, enough time talking about Steve, who has a great reputation uh, in the state, well, for whatever that matters to, to people. Uh, the coaches in the state like him a lot from his time at, at Ferris, He's really super, um, super present on the on the recruiting trail to the point where when he got um, when he got the Michigan job, I was hearing from coaches across the state like, man, this is love this hire kind of thing. Now, you know, it wasn't sexy to, to fans because he's attached to the he's attached to the Gaddis era, which I think that, you know, if you if if you had J.J. McCarthy as the trigger man. In 21, I think your appreciation for what that passing game was would be a lot different. It'd be a, it'd be a lot different. Uh, Steve was a big part of that because uh, he was he was Gaddis's sort of right hand man, analyst guy. Uh, knows the offense, knows Michigan. I think uh, is able to slide in seamlessly, uh, and is gonna if you can if you can project what he was on the recruiting trail for Ferris. And his reputation here in this in the state, <laughs> excuse me, among high school coaches. If you can project that out, he's going to be a really good recruiter. Now, you know, we'll see. It was at a lower level. It was all. It was in the state of Michigan, so you can't really say for sure what it's going to be. But I think it's promising what his reputation was at, at Ferris, and then the fact that he comes in with knowledge of the offense already. I mean, and he was a play caller at Boston at, uh, at UMass. Yeah, I mean, it's telling that yeah. when Don Brown left, he was like, okay, I want my offensive coordinator to be this guy who's your analyst. Right? Like, the people that Don Brown took when he went and took the UMass coach head coaching job, you know, there's you can offer people an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator and to take an analyst that says something about the analyst. My one question for Krasula is, where were you for the Army game in 2019? And what did you say about it? Because that's like the one disaster of an offensive game plan where it's like... No, there were several. Um, like the, Like, I think I remember that you put in a season preview. You put somewhere like, I think it was a UFR you did that. Like Gaddis had like four of the worst RPS scores in our, yeah. our history. Yes, he did. Yeah. I mean, it was like, 
all due respect, Sam, I've charted a lot of offenses, and I thought Gaddis was just a paper tiger. Like he talked a lot he, of stuff. And I like, thought his drafting game in 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 twenty twenty one. I thought it was outstanding. Well, Andy, the uh, realized because you just weren't able to to capitalize on enough of it. Unfortunately, well, that's part of the deal. I mean, if your players can't, if you if you tell your players to go out there and be like, okay, you know, you have to be able to read this end and make this play when you see him do this, and then he doesn't do it eight times, that's that's on you. You have to like well, you have to coach the guys. That you got. The that's the point of twenty one. Is he he made that adjustment and they went to the Big Ten championship and won it at the playoff because he got away from the look. My stuff is my stuff is getting guys open. We aren't executing to, okay, he can't do this consistently. I got to run this rock more. We're in the Rutgers game. We can't complete a pass. We got to run the rock. We're in the Washington game. We can't complete a pass. We got to just run the football belligerently to win this game. That was the pivot. That was a sort of the maturation of it's not about my stuff. It's about what they can do. He could do enough of it for them to win, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten Championship, and go to the playoff. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, well, what I like about Kasula is uh, that he's coming in as a tight end, co tight end coach, but he does ha he was an OC at Davenport, small school, but OC is OC. He was an OC at UMass and did reasonably there. And he was an OC at Big Rapids, where they did very, very well. And, and so I like bringing in a guy at tight end who also has a history uh, of being an offensive coordinator. I also liked that Ferris State staff. For whatever reason, they, were, uh, they would come to the coaching clinic here in, in Ann Arbor. And my brother and I always went out with them after late at night after, after the sessions were over. And they were a really good bunch, I felt like. And uh, so in any event, I'm sorry, I'm kind of happy with this hire. I think it it may work out quite well. Yeah, so I, I think I think Steve was a great alternative because th <laughs> this was an example. They they took a shot at Kevin Coger, and he's like, "Man, I'm not coming back to college when I got a pro option," which is what makes this Steve out of Gokate uh, pull. That's what makes that uh, even more impressive. Um, you know, I don't think D'Amico Ryan's is is making that easy you know just uh, just let them go like i you know i think that's one that you know that's a young up-and-coming guy that you know folks that i talk to believe that he can be he can be a dc very soon like he could be on the on the jesse mentor trajectory as far as moving up the uh moving up the ladder so you know we'll we'll see but but steve this is an example that was an example of all right, you got your board and you're ready to go right to the next guy if if you know your board gets or your top guy gets taken off the board. I think this was a a pretty the offensive staff that was always going to be the that was always going to be the easier one to figure out. It was the defensive staff that was going to take a lot of uh, a lot of rigorous sort of, you know, I got to talk to Wink, I got to talk to Mike, I got to talk to 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 Jesse yeah, I got to talk to all these people to try to come up with uh, a an effective board because I made this point the other day, guys, and I wonder if you can go go with it. There's a lot of things that 38 Sharon has proven. 38 is not an issue. He showed you he's had he's got command. He's shown you he can he can run an offense. He's shown you he can run a team. Right? 
38, though, you don't have a, a Rolodex that is as deep as some of these other guys, and you don't have a, a, a brother who's coaching the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, when you got to build out a defense, that was going to be that was going to be the the question. Could you how effectively were you going to be able to put together a board quickly? And I think he's shown the ability to do that. Well, doesn't Michigan have a Rolodex now that's pretty damn deep? You got Mike McDonald, you got Jesse Minner, you got John Harbaugh, you got Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you you got guys all over the place, and I suspect uh, all of them will be open to it, Sharon. It's working both ways, though. Like the, one of the reasons I'm sure. worried about Agoke leaving in two years is because huh. Jesse Minner might be like, "Oh, you know how to run my defense, do you?" Well, I need a guy, <laughs> right? Like there's 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 a lot of people now. McDonald's got a got an NFL program franchise. Harp, you know, there's two Harbaugh okay. in the NFL. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, contact list. I'm sorry, list of contacts. No 38-year-old court affairs guy <laughs> has a Rolodex. They don't even know what a Rolodex is. He's exactly right. But you get fair, fair point. <laughs> my point. So, all right. We need to get to a break as I'm looking at it. I'm seeing if I'm over time, and I am. So we'll get to this break. We'll come back on the other side here of the Michigan Insider of Sports Talk 250 WTK, the ticket. It was 2021 Northwestern, by the way, Brian, when I said that. Clear on the radio. Okay. And it was – some of the other ones are 2013 Michigan State, 2013 Nebraska, uh, the Penn State game, the 27 for 27 games on there, uh, 2010 Purdue. Uh, yeah, there's some ugly ones in there. And the TCU game, uh, where they would not run play action. It's another one. So, uh, yeah, that – the best yeah. all-time were Penn State 2022. <laughs> it was uh, 2019 yeah. State for some reason. So he's he's got a um, he's got a couple impressive ones in here. 2016 Hawaii was really high. I mean Hawaii though. Yeah, yeah. Don't I don't have mouth, some though. of your newer charting in here, so I don't have like the 2023s in there. John asked and answered. He said no. He said no like five times. <laughs> he's been asked. Who so. said no? What? Vance, Vance, uh, Vance, Vance, Vance being Vance being an analyst. He's asked oh. a lot of times. He's he's retired. Man. Man. He's got a ninety-one-year-old dad. Um, you know, he's has a chance to spend time with his wife, who he hasn't really been able to spend off seasons with for for what forty years. So he's happily retired. He will though. He will be up. He's committed to coming up for a couple of weeks in the summer. Uh, to work with them, I think, and I think he's probably going to come up some in the spring as well. So, but he will not. He will not be an analyst. Hmm. What's the deal with Mike? Mike Hart. I mean, Seth. There's been no noise on that one at all, and he's been invisible. Uh, so he, it's not. It's not protest. Uh, he okay. is in a contract negotiation, but he he's he has some personal things he's tending to, and that that that's really. That's really as far as I can go with it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what it's gonna what's gonna happen. Like I don't, I don't take that as a sign that he's definitely gone. I don't take that as a sign that he's definitely staying. Okay. Um. He he was he had a contract negotiation and that was paused while he's tending to uh, personal matters. And then we'll see how things go when they pick back up. So. You know, but his I think people were reading a lot into the fact that his contract expired 
His wasn't the only contract that Jim mm -hmm. uh, that expired. Mike Ron Bellamy's contract expired. Grant Newsom's contract expired. He let all those contracts expire. So, you know, you, I don't think that that in and of itself was was telling. But he was uh, negotiating when, you know, he has some some. There are a lot of things that that we don't get to know um, from a from a fan and media perspective. And so that's true. I mean, he, Hart, you know. Coaching part of it aside, he's an important person to the Michigan fan base. So I hope he knows that everyone everyone's behind him. Back yeah. on radio in about twenty seconds, guys. I get the I get the and I'm not talking about you, but his his he keeps coming up in the chat. He keeps coming up on the message board. Mm -hmm. My answer is gonna be the same. Yeah. Like, you know, we gotta just wait and see. Wait and see how that how that plays out and and know that there's a plan either way. So fellas, uh NIL. I have um, made it a point, uh, certainly as it related to a couple of players, to say, hey, there, there needed to be uh, a deep sort of mental um, shift or evolution about what it's going to take to be effective in this space when it comes to retaining a player the caliber of, of J.J. McCarthy. One more year fund is not enough, right? It was great. One more year fund that got those those guys to come back the year prior, but there needed to be a a a deeper understanding of what the need is, and it feels like this this uh, this poaching is this combination of poaching and shopping. You got other schools poaching, you got agent shopping. Both of those things are going on. Your only insulation, your only protection from that is you had better be up to up to the plate from an NIL perspective, with deals that will make the guys feel like they're whole. And so I got to say that the collectives have really stepped up. They have really stepped up in a meaningful way to protect this roster. It, is, it's, it wasn't the only thing, but without it, without that step up, you would see guys in the portal already. Now, we got, what, nine, uh, eight days left in this portal, in this portal window? And so far, it's been holding. You know, you can't get complacent and say uh, that, that everything is locked in stone. But they've been doing pretty good so far, man. And I think the, the, the collective response to protecting the roster has been a major part of that, which leads into uh, what we heard yesterday was this uh, partnership with Learfield. And I can't remember the name of the company. Altius, to put a NIL GM on campus to help further, to help enhance NIL opportunities for, for student-athletes. I wonder what you guys made of that announcement yesterday. Well, it's good to hear that something is happening, uh, that they have hired McGee as sort of the general manager leader in that department because that's not something that Sharon Moore should be doing. It's, he's got plenty on his plate already. It feels a little bit late in the game, um, which I think has been affecting Michigan's recruiting efforts. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, nobody from the current team has hit the portal who was a major contributor. Uh, they've lost Jaden Smith from the recruiting class. But in terms of we had a coaching turnover, they've really held it together. And so um, hopefully they can get through this last week without taking any hits. Because, I mean, basically, as soon as Harbaugh left, 
every message board for Alabama or Ohio State or Tennessee or Texas was like, let's pick off this guy, this guy, and this guy, and this guy. And you saw how Alabama's rate, roster got rated. Yeah. Right? They lost a ton of guys. Caleb and, Brown. Like, like a, a well, they, freshman who was incredible for them. Like, that is... Yeah, they, they, they lost a ton of guys, and they yeah. took a big hit. And then... You know, they had their offensive coordinator immediately leave for the Seahawks job, and they only announced it after the portal had closed, <laughs> which is like, and then they said that they waited to, the Seahawks said they waited to announce it so that the portal had closed for Alabama players. And I was like, if I'm an Alabama player that stayed, what am I thinking? Right. Like, O-line, by the way, O-line coach left too. Yeah, and like, if I'm Jalen Miller, I'm like, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> the, so uh and now Nick Sheridan is the offensive coordinator at Alabama, which is wild. Um and we'll see how that goes. I mean Kalen DeBoer is really yeah, the Kalen offensive DeBoer coordinator. Of that but, offense. But he's he's the he's the nominal OC now. In any case, um for Michigan to come through this without so far having lost a major piece of next year's team is an accomplishment. So far, and uh, you know, except for Jaden Smith, then I guess they lost Joey Velasquez, right? But that's more of a base. I mean, that's thing, I well, that's not like I mean, yeah. I was talking about guys like you know, Reese Atterbury transferred too, but like yeah, those Atterbury. look like extremely normal. I'm not going to play here, I need to go somewhere else. Transfers, yeah. I'm worried. I'm yeah. is really the only one I think that you know, the NIL thing came into play because, but he's a backup. I'm not sure that you're going to get the one more year fund to, you know, go all out to keep a guy because like, he's got a huge ceiling and, you know, it's, he made a career decision and that's going to affect him down the road. But like, that's the kind of guy we've lost versus there's no Caleb Downs. We haven't lost Mason Graham. And like what I was terrified was about, like you, you heard how much LSU offers Bryce Underwood, who's a, freshman quarterback, right? There's no guarantees on that guy. And the amount they're offering him, I'm like, what if someone offers a defensive tackle who is going to give you one year and completely change the look of your defense If you, because like a Grant or a Graham can do that for you. And if we're able to retain those guys and step up to whatever Oregon or, Ohio, or Texas or Ohio State or any of those teams we're willing to pay one of those guys because their value is actually there, that is a sea change in what our expectations for Michigan's NIL program have been. Yeah, and so this, you know, you, what I like, what I took from that yesterday, the most meaningful part is that they have gotten into how do you, how, how do you make your student athletes, um, how do you increase the opportunities, not just by putting deals in front of them, but, but, but allowing the, for the appeal and the execution of deals to be a, a thing that lures more into the fold. And so I thought the, the the part that was most profound was them talking about getting into content creation. You know, I think that if you're, if you're talking about how you hook a company and keep them, it is creating opportunities for them where it's not just a kid going and making a tweet. Now there are going to be some, there are going to be some donors who just want to donate, who just want to contribute to NIL, to sustain the program but what you'll find with a lot of these businesses is well they actually want some roi right they okay what do i get for for doing this is there some tangible benefit from having an nil partnership and i think the content creation space is something that we 
that we did uh, that I did with Will. He he had a couple of local uh, business partners here with uh, the local tourism bureau, Destination Ann Arbor, and Will Heinegger. You mean no, no, Will Johnson? Will Johnson. Will Johnson. He had uh, yeah, Destination Ann Arbor. Yeah, Golden Limo. These are companies mm-hmm. that just it's like okay, what can we do that you know getting an NIL partnership with him that that's different. And so we got a film crew together and filmed him going to five spot, five places in Ann Arbor that are in Washtenaw County that, that he likes that are, you know, kind of that speaks to who he is, where he likes to go. And, and, you know, each business was able to get, was able to get a, uh, like a promo out of it for, for their social media and content for their websites. It was, so the tourism bureau is like, man, this is like a tour guide through Ann Arbor. It's that kind of thinking that, it sounds like they're getting into with this, with this CE or this GM coming in and, and pairing and help, you know, facilitate partnerships between the collective and Learfield and other companies. If they can do more of that, create more opportunities like that. I think it's going to help grow Michigan in the space. Well, Brian actually suggested a GM on radio about four and a half years ago. And my friend Dane Myers sent a uh, letter. How do you to, remember that? I do remember it. And Dane Myers sent a letter to the athletic department saying, you know, among other things, you need to have a GM to to deal with this because it shouldn't be up to the football coach. But we're finally there, I guess. Yeah. There is also this, some. This, by the way, this is a different GM. This is the Sean McGee is the GM of the football program. Okay. The GM that I'm talking about, this Altius uh, employee. Who are, who's going to report to the to the athletic director and assistant athletic director? He is a GM that is over uh, NIL. Period. That's all he does is NIL and for all sports and not just not just football. So it you know so we're talking about two different. I want to make sure that people understand we're talking about two different GMs. Okay. Sure. And so I mean I'm gl- I'm glad we're there. I mean it seems like uh, there was also an announcement. I think you made it yesterday, Sam. That. Uh, some big donor has stepped up. Uh, yeah, I don't what, know. Said, what I said was when Sean McGee, mm-hmm. when it was reported that Sean McGee was coming back, um, the uh, I got a call from a football donor said I'm ready to write a check right now, and the proposal is already on the table okay. for a, a high six figure um, uh, commitment. And I think Sean coming back has a lot to do with that. So that that's how I know. Like I know he's going to impact NIL because he already he already has relationships with a lot of the money people, uh, the the football money people. Anyway, he has relationships with all of them. So that it stands to reason that he is going to help mobilize those relationships in a in a more efficient way than we've seen it mobilized up up to this point. So I think that was it's definitely NIL positive, and and I think it it speaks to the the broader organization that. Uh, of the personnel department. I mean, he, Sean's going to be over NIL. He's going to be over the, the recruiting department. He's going to be over the player personnel department, which is also uh, in, in the scouting. And all these people are going to report to him. And then he kind of brings Sharon in. Cause you, it's like a, like a general manager running a, a roster in the NFL. You got to be like that now. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, my understanding at least as of last year, and this is always a moving target is that Michigan has actually already been way ahead of most schools 
as far as creating real NIL opportunities. I always kind of split them into two. NIL and quote NIL, right? Quote NIL is just doing business the way that every that Alabama's been, Georgia's been doing, Ohio State's been doing for ages, where you you know pay the players under the table out of a slush fund. The NIL, the real stuff, is what Michigan has been way out in front of because they had to, because they didn't have an operation that they could just pour it over. Uh, I think that our understanding before all this opened up was that there were a lot of Michigan people who were willing to write a check for the football program that would probably go into some sort of fund that can just pay out every year, right? I'm talking about like a security, right? Where they you could use the dividends to pay the players every year, and the fund could just increase and increase and increase. And we've still been no talk of that kind of thing. I don't know if that's even possible at this point. Where's the? Where are we looking? Where's the? Where like what's what direction is this all going? Well, I think I I the the nil that you're talking about to to help. The NIL you're talking about, I think, is going on to help protect the roster. Yeah. Now that there, there's still, it's not like that. That is just, hey, I just want to support the program because I love the program. I think us people who aren't millionaires maybe project our, our, um, what we would do, what we think we would do if we had that kind of money. We kind of project that on the people with money when the reality is they do want something back for it, and and you gotta you gotta figure out. You got to figure out how to, you know, how to satiate, how to, you know, how to meet that. You know, they might want access. They might want, you know, fingerprint access to Schimbeckler Hall. They might want to be able to come to practice anytime they want. They might want to come on the team playing. I mean, you know, how much of that are you are you willing to to do? Because that's the way the game is played. If, if they want to call the J. Ira and whatever family defensive tackle room this year, I'm down for that. I'll put that in Hail the Victors. <laughs> Like let's uh, why we hit like the, the names on buildings should stop at Michigan and all that kind of money should just be going to a fund. That I'm just saying that, that would pay out of. I, I'm just saying that Jim was on board with some of that. He went over. He slowly got on board with with more of it. I think it initially, you know, it's like, hey man, these dudes can't just be showing up in practice. Whatever they want. Oh, I don't. I don't I, want the. I don't. I don't want the dudes in practice. I'm saying names on things. Like go go hey, start naming well, things. What do you think happens? And man, you don't think dudes in the, at the SEC are practice whenever they want to be, or oh, the team playing whenever they want to be? I mean, come on, man. That's that's how. What I you- I, I know, and and I've had a Georgia f- uh, friend walk me through their stuff, the real thing before, and like a lot of it is because there's a lot of cash businesses down there because there's not construction down there, and they, I don't know when to get too deep into the woods here, but you know, in construction, they don't work in the winter. They officially don't work in the winter. They do jobs outside of it, and they do cash jobs, and then they have a lot of cash floating around. And that's where a lot of the money for Georgia's program specifically, and probably a lot of the other SEC programs too, because there's so much building going on down there, uh, has been going into these programs in the last 20 years or so. Michigan does not have anything like that. Like we, our, Even our tax well, laws are not the way their tax laws are written. So SEC football is essentially a money laundering operation. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And the through the church churches. This is not news to anybody, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, there's no money laundering going on here. But what I can say is you there they have stepped up. For for as much as I talked about, hey, where's the NIL money cannon when it comes to you know businesses kind of lining up to get with Bryce Underwood, as much as I talked about it with with JJ McCarthy, 
you know, I, you know, I, I think maybe, maybe that was part of maybe missing uh, an opportunity there. And I, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like he would have definitely come back. I just, I just think that a, a more comprehensive and a more lucrative a deal if it had been started, you know, early in the season, as opposed to after the year was over. And it's, I, I think there might have been a chance, but uh, whatever that was, they have really stepped up. They have really stepped up in this moment to help protect this roster. It's Brian is right. I mean, you look no further than Alabama to see what can happen. And that hasn't happened here as of yet. They got eight days to, to keep protecting it. So, yeah, it's go. time for our basketball segment. And we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we really are out of time. On this week's round table, we will get to we'll get to some basketball next week, I'm sure. And probably the 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 conclusion or definitely the conclusion. Oh, that's a this. strong maybe, Sam, on basketball. Strong maybe. I hear you. And of course, the, the staff should be totally complete and announced by next week at this time so we'll be able to talk about it then until then thanks a lot folks here on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtk the ticket the official voice of university of michigan sports ann arbor accumulus station